Hello and welcome. I'm Eric. And I'm John. And this is the Wikipedia Chronicles. John, what is your random article for today? Mine is FAWSL Cup, which is a League Cup competition in English Women's Association football, i.e. soccer. Okay. Well, mine is Loreto di Talano. What do they do? That is a commune in France. And it's on the island of Corsica. And let's see. Population 48. Aha! <laughs> good. Ah, good old friends. The yep. low population towns. Yep. They sure, sure are <laughs> our friends. All right. Well. Come on, Wikipedia. It was going to happen. It's one of the yeah. two of us. <laughs> either, either time, anytime, every time. Yep. No way around it. Well, gee, Eric, where are we going to go with? Well, as much as I would um, love to do a town with 48 people in it. As much as I would like to not talk about (laughs) soccer. Uh, Talking about soccer. Here we go. What is the article name again? It is F-A space W-S-L space cup. Fawazel Cup. So like I said, it's a league competition cup in England, uh, originally open to eight teams, which were in the uh, Women's Football Association, but since its expansion into two divisions, there are now 18 featured teams. It's a lot of teams. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it was founded in 2011. It's a relatively recent thing. Um, current champions are Manchester City. However, the football club Arsenal, which is affiliated, of course, with the Men's Football Association by the same name, mm-hmm. has already won the championship three times, even though this thing's only existed for four years. Mm-hmm. So, off to a hot start. Mm-hmm. Not too shabby. Yeah, the uh, 2012, they saw a change of format. The straight knockout was abolished, and group stage with two groups was created. The top two of each group advanced to the semifinals. Oh. So when they switched to two divisions, then they just narrowed each division down to the best, and then the best played each other. Well, not a whole lot to say about that. Yep, that's about it. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, That that pretty much did cover it. They just restated what we've already said a few more times in different Mm -hmm. formats going down the line. So, where should we go from here? Uh... We got links to English to competition. Uh, Manchester City, England, er, England, Arsenal, Birmingham. I feel like we've done a lot. We've been overzealous with our British cities lately, though. We gotta yeah. find a way around that. 
good at competition. Okay. Seems like it'll open up a lot of doors. Sounds good to me. <laughs> a good gateway term. Yeah. We need something very broad. All right. For other uses, see competition disambiguation. Competitors redirects here. For the Sergei Luciano novel, see <laughs> competitors novel. Competition in biology and sociology is a contest between two or more organisms, individuals, animals, groups, etc. Usually this is done for territory, a niche, or a location of resources, for resources and goods, for mates, for prestige, recognition, for awards, or group or social status, or for leadership. <laughs> That was a long they list. Throw, <laughs> they threw a lot of ors in there. there it's, it's not like, me. It's I know. <laughs> yeah, it's like they'll just list a couple things and then throw an or in there. Or, for, it's or, like, or, <laughs> for, and. For this, or. for this, or for this, for this, for this, or, or for this. <laughs> yeah. For this, or for this. <laughs> They're just entertaining themselves after a while, after a fashion. I feel like, you know, if you're going to do that, like, list, put or for the last yeah. item on the list. The last thing. The last comma. That's all you The need. only or right there. That's it. You know what? We could even edit this to make it to just say that. Yeah. You know what? Here we go again, folks. <laughs> We're doing do it. it. We're high on our own power, but who cares? <laughs> this isn't a citation thing either. This is literally just bad craftsmanship. <laughs> We've got a hunger for More cowbell. <laughs> wait, how do we edit that part? Um, here we go. Oh, wait. Here we go. Edit. Got it? Yeah. Okay. I'm just going to change that one to a four. I'm going to change all the ors to fours. <laughs> See how it reads then. Then change the last four to an or. Not that one. Or leadership. Yes, that was the only one that will still not be four. That is the only four <laughs> before the four. Before the follow four. Before the four. Before the follow four. Four. Or forbade them. <laughs> there. Okay, right, let's up, try this again. Let me. Ah, yes, refreshed and much better. <laughs> Competition in biology and sociology is a contest between two or more organisms. That one's okay. <laughs> animals, individuals, groups, etc. For territory, a niche. For a location of resources. For resources and goods. Mates. Four, it should be four mates. Yeah, why not? Yeah, there was four in there. Like mates by itself, it seems like it needs a mate. Yeah. Four mates. Four, four mates. That sounds like a British sitcom. Yep. Four mates. Four mates. <laughs> or four guys in a Australian. Flat. Four guys, a flat, and a <laughs> and a curry place. Okay. Competition in biology and sociology is a contest between two or more organisms, animals, individuals, groups, etc. for territory, a niche, for a location of resources, for resources and goods, for mates, for prestige, recognition, award... Nope. <laughs> gotta get the four. For prestige. Gotta be four. For recognition, for awards. Alright, let's do it. Yeah, do it one more time. Here we go. <laughs> Just uh, should be the last one. Sure is. Sure, totally. Yep. <laughs> Wait, where's it go? Recognition awards. 
You know what? While you're still editing, yeah. At the end, do or for leadership. See how that one flows. Competition in biology and sociology is a contest between two or more organisms, animals, individuals, groups, etc., for territory, a niche, for a location of resources, for resources and goods, for mates, for prestige, for recognition, for awards, for group or social status, or for leadership. Boom! There you go. That flows off the tongue. Yeah. All them fours. <laughs> Fours coming out in force. (laughs) Okay, so now that we've bettered everyone's life, (laughs) on with the show. All right. Wait, are we gonna? Yeah, we need to. We need to show that developmental process. Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah, we got. We got to keep that all in. All five iterations of me saying (laughs) that one line over and over. Good. Lovely. This is why we have so many listeners here. This is why we build build our (laughs) listener base. Every You'll week. never know that we're just repeating ourselves. I'll never suspect. <laughs> just to pad the runtime. <laughs> hmm. All right. Inconspicuous. So All right. Competition is the opposite of cooperation. Unless you're cooperating to compete with somebody else. There you go. It arises whenever at least two parties strive for a goal which cannot be shared or which is desired individually, but not in sharing and cooperation. Competition occurs naturally between living organisms which coexist in the same environment. For example, animals compete over water supplies, foods, mates, and other biological resources. Did that sentence, right? <laughs> yeah. What the hell? I'm surprised they didn't have, like... For water supplies or and, and ma- food or mates and, and or <laughs> other biological resources. Okay. Well, they can't. They decided that they wanted to start taking things seriously, I guess. I don't know. They're too lazy to go back. Uh, humans compete usually for food and mates, though when these needs are met, Deep rivalries often arise over the pursuit of wealth, prestige, and fame. Competition is also a major tenet of market economies, and business is often associated with competition, as most companies are in competition with at least one other firm over the same group of customers, and is also competition inside a company is usually stimulated for meeting and reaching higher quality of services or products in the company and producer belt. <laughs> Wasn't it worse uh, with that one to go on that long, were you? No, I <laughs> didn't go in with the uh, with full <laughs> breath. What a know it would be that long, I would have <laughs> definitely inhaled a lot more. Yeah, made a point of it. Man, that's man, nice sharp full <gasps> paragraph. Okay. So competition has some consequences. So many, in fact, that it has an entire subheading devoted mm. to that. Uh, of course, competition has both beneficial and detrimental effects. Many evolutionary biologists view interspecies and intraspecies competition as the driving force of adaptation hmm. and ultimately of evolution. However, some biologists disagree, citing competition as a driving force only on a small scale, and citing the larger scale drivers of evolution to be abiotic factors, termed room to roam. Richard Dawkins prefers to think of evolution in terms of competition between single genes, 
which have the welfare of the organism, quote-unquote, in mind, only insofar as that welfare furthers their own selfish drives for replication, termed the selfish gene. Hmm. Now, some social Darwinists claim that competition also serves as a mechanism for determining the best-suited group politically, economically, and ecologically. Positively, competition may serve as a form of recreation or a challenge provided that is non-hostile. But on the downside, competition can cause injury and loss to the organisms involved and drain valuable resources and energy, just like the Cold War. Mm-hmm. Okay, so here we got some um, different levels of competition, um, of specifically economic competition here. There's three different levels. One is uh, direct competition. So, for example, one brand of pickup trucks competes with several other brands of pickup trucks. And sometimes two companies are rivals, and one adds new products to their line, which leads to the other company distributing the same new things, and in this manner they compete. And then the other, another form is substitute or indirect competition, which is where products which are close substitutes for one another compete. For example, butter competes with margarine, mayonnaise, and other various sauces and spreads. And then the broadest form of competition is typically called budget competition. And included in this category is anything which the consumer might want to spend their available money. For example, a family which has $20,000 available may choose to spend it on many different items, which can all be seen as competing with each other for the family's expenditure. And then this form of competition is also sometimes described as a competition of share the wallet. So in addition to that, companies also compete for financing on the capital markets, whether it be equity or debt, in order to generate the necessary cash for their operations. An investor will typically consider alternative investment opportunities given his risk profile and not only look at companies just competing on product, as in direct competitors. Uh, enlarging the investment universe to include indirect competitors leads to a broader peer universe of comparable indirectly competing companies. So basically if you have stocks and you have a stockbroker guy who comes to your house and says, listen, you want to get this portfolio and it has a bunch of stocks in it, but it has them in for say, I don't know, like McDonald's, Texaco, and Walmart, there are some other stockbrokers out there that have competing portfolios that will have stocks in them for Burger King, Target, and, uh, you know, whatever a competitor was for the third thing I said. Mm. Uh, so <laughs> uh, that's kind of how there is direct competition without being in the same market mm-hmm. uh, by way of the stock market. The stock market kind of shows itself to be a vehicle to that end. Mm, yeah. Finally, uh, most businesses also encourage competition between individual employees. Uh, there is a that's known as intra-brand competition, but there's also a thing known as internal competition, where uh, brands like Chevy or Pontiac would be uh, at odds for the same market segments, even though ultimately they were both General Motors owned. 
Now, a more uh, fascinating example of that, I think, is um, the recently discovered bastion of all hatred, Luxottica, the uh, eyeglass company that owns every major eyewear maker in the world. Um, Luxottica, if you don't know, uh, owns uh, major sunglass making companies such as Ray-Ban and uh, Oakley. However, they also own all of the cheaper brands, and they also (laughs) own the places that you go get your eyeglasses. They own lens crafters. They own Pearl Vision. They also (laughs) own the second largest vision plan uh, in the United States. So, uh, and that's not a conspiracy theory. That's all true. It's just kind of interesting to me, though, that they own all of these brands, luxury brands all the way through cheap brands, and they own all of them virtually, <laughs> leaving very little room in the marketplace, but they are, and they're primarily competing against themselves. <laughs> so it's, re- it's really fascinating. Like, I don't yeah. understand how that works, but... It does, because each brand ultimately caters to a specific audience, mm-hmm. even if it is aimed at the same socioeconomic uh, group. It yeah. may fi- you may find another socioeconomic group within that broader socioeconomic group, mm-hmm. where one prefers one brand and the other prefers the other. So, yeah, kind of an interesting scenario. Mm-hmm. It should be noted, though, that uh, business and economic competition in most countries is often limited or restricted. Competition often is subject to legal restrictions. For example, competition may be legally prohibited, as is the case with a government monopoly or a government-granted monopoly. Hmm. Uh, Tariffs, subsidies, or other protectionist measures may also be instituted by government in order to prevent or reduce competition, depending on the respective economic policy. Pure competition is to a greater or lesser extent regulated by competition policy and competition law. Another component of these activities is the discovery process. With instances of higher government regulations typically leading to less competitive businesses being launched. And there's also competition between countries, which is quite subtle and um, and it's quite evident in the world economy. And countries compete to provide the best possible business environment for multinational corporations. And such competition is evident by the policies undertaken by these countries to educate the future workforce. Uh, For example, East Asian economies such as Singapore, Japan, South Korea, they tend to emphasize education by allocating a large portion of the budget to this sector and by implementing programs such as gifted education. Oh, interesting. Competition law, known in the United States as antitrust law, Mm. has three main functions. First, it prohibits agreements aimed to restrict free trading between business entities and their customers. Second, competition law can ban the existence or abusive behavior of a firm dominating the market. And third, it preserves competitive markets as the law supervises the mergers and acquisitions of very large corporations, Hmm. which you may see soon with the whole Time Warner Comcast (laughs) thing going down. Yeah. Antitrust reminds me of that movie, Antitrust. 
<laughs> it's pretty pretty good reference. Had to extrapolate a little bit for that one. <laughs> Had to dig deep. Yep. That's where I got my major education about antitrust laws. <laughs> That's a pretty good source. <laughs> you could just cite that movie throughout this entire paragraph. Yeah. I could just be the citation, a link to that movie like on just Netflix. Or watch this. <laughs> just watch this. Tim Robbins killing people. Man. Tim Robbins doesn't do that all the time. Mm-mm. Ryan Phillippe being the hero hacker guy. Kind of weird. Yeah, I feel like that movie probably belonged in the 90s. Very much where so. Where all the other yeah. hacker movies were coming out. Yep. <laughs> okay, well, I don't know if we're going to find a whole lot of super interesting stuff in this article. It's mostly just, you know, competition is competition. That you, is true. You heard that first paragraph that we fixed. All those different things. It was all those. <laughs> that we compete for. There is a lot of links here. So we could find something very interesting to jump over to. There is a link entitled Winning Isn't Everything, It's the Only Thing. <laughs> that is the link. That is where it goes to. Hey, you know what? Why not? The webpage is not available. That's why not. It's available to me. Oh, no. <laughs> Computer, why? I'll be back. All right, so winning isn't everything. Semicolon. It's the only thing. It is a well-known quotation in sports. It is attributed to UCLA Bruins football coach Henry Russell Red Sanders. Wow, that's a name. <laughs> he spoke to different versions of the quotation, actually. In 1950, at a Cal Poly San Luis Obispo physical education workshop, Sanders told his group, Men, I'll be honest, winning isn't everything. Then following a long pause... Men, it's the only thing. And in a three-part article, December 7th, 1953, three years later, on Red Sanders by Bud Ferrillo of the Los Angeles Herald and Express, phrase is quoted in the subhead. Oh. Wait. Uh, Ferrillo said in his unpublished memoirs, Sanders first made the statement to him after UCLA's loss to USC in 1949. The phrase is quoted in the 1953 film Trouble All the Way, Trouble Trouble Along the Way, sorry, by Sherry Jackson's character Carol Williams. 1955, in a Sports Illustrated article preceding the 1956 Rose Bowl, he was quoted as saying, sure, winning isn't everything, it's the only thing. So apparently it's also wrongly attributed to American football coach Vince Lombardi. Um, so this guy, Lombardi, probably said it, but it was after the fact. And he probably heard it from 
the um, what's his name? Russell Sand- Henry Sanders, Red Sanders, Red Sanders, Red Sanders, Dandy Sanders, <laughs> Andy Sander, Mandy Samber, Bandy Danders, Salamanders, <laughs> Colonel Sanders. I feel like Red Sanders could be a good uh, like. Home Improvement host name. He would be. You know? Red Sanders, He'd have his own, yeah. like, show where he, he would compete. his stuff. He would have direct competition. He'd be very yeah. competitive with... <laughs> he'd be hyper-competitive with Home Improvement itself. <laughs> and he would be the... Uh, they would have... But they would be owned by the same network. So they'd have intra-brand intra uh, competition. There you go. Yeah. Among <laughs> the work, workers of the workforce. Yeah, there's not much else in this article. Well, you know what they say about articles? They're not everything. <laughs> They're the only thing. <laughs> but it does say here that uh, it, this quote's assertion of the importance of winning has been touted as a basic tenet of American sports creed and at the same time identified as encapsulating what is purportedly wrong with competitive sports. Well, yeah. I yeah. mean, because like, if winning is everything, then what do you call it when you lose? Yeah. Do you call it also a win? Just like a less win? Like you won by negative points? Is that how you call it? I don't understand what you're saying. Like you can't have everything be yeah. just a win all the time. It's stupid. It's mm-hmm. arbitrary. It makes no sense. Nothing has value. <laughs> it's the worst. But it's also... Um served as a, a counterpoint to the well-known sentiment by sports journalist Grant Land Rice that it's not that you won or lost, but how you played the game. Although, you generally want to win what you play. Yeah. Okay, well, where to from here? Hmm. Lots of people and stuff. Yeah. There is the film Trouble Along the Way, which I'm not familiar with at all, but most likely a sports movie? Maybe? In 1953? Well, maybe not. It's weird. Maybe. Maybe. Huh. I wonder wonder what it would be, though. I mean, it was before the time of Super Bowls. Ooh, maybe it's a film noir. Maybe the woman is like... Let's just go find out. Okay. Let's just do this. (laughs) All right, let's do it. Trouble along the way. What? Okay. Wow. Okay, it stars John Wayne and Donna Reed. In a 1953 black and white comedy directed (laughs) by Michael Curtis Curtis of uh, the film Casablanca. (laughs) Might know him from that little ditty. Small, obscure St. Anthony's College, run by the Catholic Church, is in financial straits and about to be closed. To save it, and himself, from forced retirement, elderly rector Father Burke, played by Charles Coburn, hires a down-and-out former big-time football coach, Chip Kelly, I mean Steve Williams, I mean John Wayne, in hopes of building a lucrative sports program. First turning down the job, Williams later accepts it when he learns that his former wife, Anne, played by Mary Windsor, now remarried, complained to social services that he is an unfit father and plans to sue for custody of his (laughs) 11-year-old daughter, Carol, played by Sherry Jackson. So, 
this 11-year-old daughter is the one who said in the movie, winning isn't everything, it's the only thing. It's the kids, man. Something's <laughs> going to have to be done about the kids. What, we become assholes or something? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's what happened to them. Yep. Um, Anne's actual aim is not to get Carol, in whom she has no interest, but rather to pursue Steve into rekindling an affair with her. <laughs> Wow, this does sound like a comedy. Or at least what the 1950s thought the comedy <laughs> was. Nowadays comedy it'd be of an, errors. Yeah, yeah. Comedy of mistakes. <laughs> comedy of really, really dumb people doing <laughs> stupid things. Um, anyway, St. Anthony's goes on to play high-profile colleges like Villanova and Notre Dame in the upcoming season. Uh, although the football team has really really bad people on it like physically inadequate <laughs> like like puny puny stupid looking dudes uh he the 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 John Wayne dude uses something called ch- chicanery chickenery to enroll beefy stars wait how do you use chickenery to enroll beefies chickens shouldn't enroll beef that doesn't sound good. Anyway, uses some sort of technique, gets some big, beefy all-star guys, and it makes them a team that wins stuff. But then the father, the guy who runs the Catholic school, realizes that John Wayne's not been such an honest dude about how he made the team good. Um, and, you know, how Catholic ministers tend to react to dishonesty. So John Wayne spends the rest of the movie in a confession booth, and that's the end. All right. Sounds kind mostly like a typical sports movie. It sounds like it could be entertaining, actually. I would actually really like to see John Wayne's performance in this. As a comedic, <laughs> let-down, like, terrible father, uh, outcast uh, football coach in retirement. Yeah. I mean, like, I've seen him... I think I've seen him exclusively in westerns because that's mostly what he's known for. But I don't think I've seen him in uh, any other kind of role. It'd be very interesting to see. It's kind of cool that um, the guy who plays Father Provincial, his name is Leif Erikson. Oh, Leif Erikson. Happy Leif Erikson Day! <laughs> There's also a uh, uncredited extra in the film that some of you may know. His name is James Dean. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Well, gotta start somewhere. Started from the bottom. <laughs> All right. Well, where to from here? Looks like we got actors or Casablanca or comedy or aspect ratio. <laughs> Aspect ratio. <laughs> We're going for aspect ratio. All right, let's do it. Okay, it's a geometric... Sh- oh, wait. Okay. The aspect ratio of a geometric shape is the ratio of its sizes in different dimensions. For example, the aspect ratio of a rectangle is the ratio of its longer side to its shorter side. The ratio of width to height when the rectangle is oriented as a landscape. The aspect ratio is expressed as two numbers separated by a colon. 
x colon y, for example. The x and y values do not represent actual width and height, but instead the relation between width and height. Hmm. For example, uh, 8 to 5 and 16 to 10 and 1.6 to 1 are all the same aspect ratio. Hmm. Yep. And objects of more than two dimensions, such as hyper-rectangles... Hyper-rectangles? <laughs> the aspect ratio can still be defined as the ratio of the longest side to the shortest side. I've never heard of hyper-rectangles before, but it sounds exciting. I think we need to go there. Yeah. I want to go there. Yeah, let's abandon this. Everybody knows what an aspect ratio is. Let's and go to hyper-rectangle. <laughs> yep, hyper-rectangle. Go. See it. Right. Oh, wow, that's hyper. Wow. Man, that is one hyper-rectangle. No, we go down a little bit more. Oh, man, there's that one. Look at that one. <laughs> what? What is going on right now? And if you go down Whoa. a little bit more on the left. What? Look at that thing. <laughs> there's, a... there's rectangles inside rectangles. Oh, uh, no. Oh, man. <sighs> okay, this all right. This is a little too exciting. Let's try to, let's try to put our excitement into <laughs> words. Okay, in geometry, an n-orthope, orthotope. Also called a hyper rectangle or a box, <laughs> is, is the generalization of a rectangle for higher dimensions, formally defined as the Cartesian product of intervals. So, you know, maybe we got, maybe we were leading you on a little bit. Maybe, but still, there's some weird stuff in here. There's a thing called an N-fusel, okay? <laughs> it's the uh, dual polytope of a box that has been variously called a rectangular N-orthoplex, a rhombic N-fusel, or an N-lozenge, because sometimes hyper-rectangles hyper get colds. Um, <laughs> it is constructed by two endpoints located in the center of the orthope rectangular phases and an n fusel's schlaffy symbol can be represented by a sum of n orthogonal line segments um that's math that's <laughs> literally just an equation that has yep. no actual values brackets in it brackets and pluses there's brackets <laughs> and pluses and there's an ellipsis in between one of the pluses yep. um i don't know how you want me to tell you that <laughs> But that's the bracket shaft. bracket plus bracket bracket yep. plus ellipsis plus bracket bracket. There we go. <laughs> that's that's, <laughs> that's it. the equation. That's the schlaffy symbol. <laughs> it's a schlaffy taffy, all right. <laughs> there it is, the original schlaffy TM done. <laughs> In any case, it's a cool little diamond thing. Yeah. It kind of resides within all boxes, <laughs> hypothetically. It bases yeah. itself upon the center points of all of the faces of the hyper rectangle or box uh yeah it's made up it, all the points of this um thing are in the middle of each face of the rectangle hyper rectangle right so creates this cool picture of a rectangle or like a a box if you will with a um, like 3D rhombus inside of it. Just chilling. 
just hanging out in there. It's like, a, it's like a nice little uh, sapphire or ruby in a display case at a museum. So, um, lots of real good math things to go to <laughs> from here. Yep. It's a shame there's not a link for box. <laughs> there is a link for lozenge, though. Hey, there we go. Let's do it. Let's lozenge see. it up. Let's see what lozenge is. Lozenges. A lozenge, often referred to as a diamond, <laughs> is a form of rhombus. <laughs> for the cough tablets, see throat lozenge. Ugh. Okay. <laughs> I don't want to... This is the second time in a row <laughs> geometry has led me astray. There's also a lozenge in heraldry. So I don't know what that is. Um, so how did throat lozenge come from regular lozenge? Is it just... It's not a diamond. Yeah, it's not a diamond at all. They're round. Mm-hmm. They're rounds. If they were diamonds, they would be very, very painful. Yeah. <laughs> um. Well... Let's see the history here. No, okay. that's not very helpful. It's a three-sentence history. <laughs> Candies to soothe the sore throat date back to 1000 BC in Egypt's 20th dynasty, where they made from honey-flavored citrus herbs and spices something resembling a modern-day throat lozenge. Now, in the 19th century, physicians discovered morphine and heroin, which suppressed coughing at its source, the brain. <laughs> Also had a number of side effects. Uh, maybe a few, <laughs> as we've discussed in, in previous episodes. Yep. Uh, popular formulations of that era included the Smith Brothers cough drops, first advertised in, 19, in 1852, and Ludens, created in 1879. Uh, concern over the risk of opioid dependence led to the development of alternative medications. Hmm. Now, Ludens is a very... A uh, popular brand, obviously. Um, I would say it's probably my favorite brand. But it doesn't really justify why lozenges are called lozenges. No. Hmm. Cough tablets have taken the name lozenge based on their original shape, a diamond. Does it say that? It says that on the first paragraph, but I have nothing to support that claim. <laughs> I have never once seen well, a diamond-shaped lozenge. Is there a source that we can go to? There is no citation. And it doesn't even say citation needed. Yeah. Where are they citation needed? I mean, just because things. you came here from the geometry page just like we did doesn't mean that that's where these lozenges <laughs> got their names from. You turkey. Ugh. You big, you big jerks. I just can't even imagine originally making these in the shape of a diamond. I don't know why anybody would think that would be a good idea. It would just be pointy and it would hurt your mouth and it would hurt your throat, which is the opposite of what you're going for. In your throat, even if it does feel better, your mouth's going to bleed. Yep. Which, you know, that's not what you want. Then you got that post-nasal drip. Mm. Blood drip. That blood drip. It's the worst drip. Mm -hmm. Every time you lay down, you're like, hmm, smells like blood. Mm. Cool. Not a good, not a good sensation. <laughs> well, where should we go? Let's see, we got um, opioid dependence. 
go check out morphine. I know we've done heroin. Well, we've checked out heroin on here before. We have. I don't know if we actually checked out morphine. I forget. Um, also go to Benzocaine. You can always go to Egypt's 20th Dynasty. <laughs> Good. Well, we could go to Egypt or the 20th Dynasty. It's going to be the 20th Dynasty of Egypt. Yeah. It's not going to be the 20th Dynasty anywhere else. We know that. We could go to Bricola. Fisherman's friend. We could go to Ricola. <laughs> <laughs> or Vix. Yeah, it only mentions uh, the Smith Brothers and Ludens, so I'm kind of curious as to when those other ones came about. Why don't we go to the Smith Brothers to find out? Because allegedly, the modern lozenge got its name because it was originally shipped as a diamond. Mm -hmm. Thus, wouldn't it make sense if we're trying to figure this out to go to the Smith Brothers because they Uh, made the earliest dated one on here? Mm -hmm. All right, let's go to Smith Brothers. All right. Oh, no, they were the makers of the first cough drops. There we go, okay. Drops, okay. Well, Wallace William Smith and Andrew Smith, uh, sons of James Smith of Poughkeepsie, New York, they came here from Scotland to Canada and then from Quebec to the United States. Uh, they opened an ice cream shop named James Smith and & Son. And the ice cream was in the shape of diamonds. <laughs> Rats. <laughs> so close. James Smith bought... They had a whole diamond-shaped theme going. <laughs> James Smith bought a cough drop recipe from a journeyman peddler named Sly Hawkins. <laughs> and 1852 Why? made his first batch. Why would you buy anything from a guy Sly named Sly Hawkins? Hawkins? I don't know if the cough drops work. <laughs> you get them. Originally, the uh, drops were sold from glass jars on countertops, but to prevent drug stores from selling counterfeit versions, the company began packaging drops in branded boxes in 1872. Hmm. I don't think it's saying anything about the shape. Mm-mm. Well, it was worth a try. Yep. Oh, wait, here. We have timeline. Maybe. Nope. Why doesn't anybody want to tell us? Maybe it's a conspiracy. Trying to keep the... Lozenge. Real story of the lozenge under wraps. I'm trying to keep lozenges alive and cough drops dead. <laughs> lozenges, no. Cough drops, yes. <laughs> so, would cough drops have been just like a literal uh, dropper that you squeeze like drops of liquid into your throat? Nah, because they that- call these cough drops. So they're literally just you know, mm. little little things. You put in your mouth hmm. for that cough, as the logo says. <laughs> for that cough, that logo should bring back that logo. <laughs> in the name, uh, er, in the movie, uh, Oh Brother, where Bart, or in the Simpsons episode, Oh Brother, where Bart thou, the expression when the Smith brothers shave was used in popular culture 
to mean something that was never expected to happen. Hmm. Why is it about them shaving? Because <laughs> they have beards in their that, logo. I guess that's true. They do have beards. The problem is, is that when FNF Foods of Chicago bought them out in 1972, they changed the logo. They got rid of the beards. Hmm. Not just the beards, the guys too. But the beards, I think, were more <laughs> culturally relevant. Hmm. 2015, Smith Brothers closes. Wow. Truly is the darkest timeline. <laughs> but literally, it is a timeline, though. Yeah, wow. This seriously closed less than a month ago. Yeah. They closed their doors on September 28th. Yep. That was, wow. We literally <laughs> just showed up on this one, didn't if we, we? If we would have gotten to this article just a, a month sooner. ago, they, they wouldn't have had that last sentence there. I wonder how much Smith Brothers, uh, Smith Brothers cough drops are going for on eBay right now. <laughs> All right, well, let's see. This got time for one more. Oh, this is what should be. Twenty-five ninety-five. No, that's not the article. That's how <laughs> much it is for uh, Smith Brothers. Fourteen drops, twenty boxes. Hmm. That's a lot. Yeah, you can still get them. And they went back to the old logo. They got the beard guys on there again. (laughs) So maybe there's hope for them yet. Somewhere on the internet. (laughs) Uh, Let's see, where to go? I don't know if we want to go to something as broad as like The Simpsons, which would probably be a good half episode unto itself. Ice cream shop. Yeah, ice cream shop. Let's do it. Ice cream parlor, or parlors, are restaurants that sell ice cream, gelato, sorbet, and frozen yogurt. Your gut. Yogurt. 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 To cuss consumers. To consum- <laughs> <laughs> To consumers. To customers. <laughs> Constables. <laughs> It's exclusively to constables. To (laughs) to customers. Ice cream is typically sold as regular ice cream. Wait, what? Yeah, that wasn't wasn't me this time. (laughs) Ice cream is typically sold as regular ice cream. Okay. All right. Um, right, Sounds good. (laughs) Thanks, article. (laughs) Good. Cough drops are sold as cough drops. Excellent. Breaking news. Well done. (laughs) Um... But it's also served as gelato, and it's also served soft as soft serve, which is usually dispensed by a machine with a limited number of flavors. It is customary for ice cream parlors to offer several flavors and items. I certainly hope so. That'd be really, <laughs> it'd be really dull if you went in there and got two things. We are the chocolate ice cream shop. That's the worst. How about you come in here and get one flavor of ice cream? I don't want to do that. We have no toppings. Okay. We will give you one scoop of ice cream. Oh, what's, what's even the no point? cones, no what? bowls, just one scoop of ice How cream. How am I supposed to eat this? <laughs> uh, open your mouth. We'll just pop it right in there, and then you can just let it melt, and there you go. All right. It's great. Thank you. It'll help with your cough. <laughs> I, lost, I lost my ice cream. I just coughed it out of my mouth. <laughs> Can I get a refund, please? Nope, you'll have to pay for a second one. What? And you'll have to pay extra for the one that you dropped on the floor. No. Because we'll have to clean that up. 
and the floor will have to be washed and sanitized, I suppose. It's a whole Willy So Wonka. you get nothing. <laughs> but I paid for two now. I just paid you for the second one. Yeah, but we're not going to give it to you because... Well, fine. <laughs> I, I'm just going to leave. I'm just going to leave. I'm just going to go to McDonald's. They have a soft serve machine there. I'm just going to go there. <laughs> but, uh, yeah. There is a history to this place. Uh, it says that ice cream parlors may date back to France in even, uh, as early as the 17th century. We're talking that's, 1600s. That's pretty far back. Yeah. Uh, in 1686... Francesco Procopio del Cotelli opened Paris's first cafe, the Cafe Procope, named by its Sicilian founder, introduced gelato to the French public. Hmm. The dessert was served to its elite guests in small porcelain bowls. So, uh, that's uh, pretty impressive that, you know, they're making ice cream and gelato back then. Without modern refrigeration. Yeah, I don't know how that worked exactly. Because there's something about gelato that helps it keep longer without dying. Maybe. Or... But yeah, until 1800, ice cream remained a rare and exotic dessert, uh, dessert enjoyed mostly by the elite. And the introduction of insulated ice houses in 1800 the first ice cream factory in Pennsylvania. What? what? We invented it. Yeah. Get out of here. In 1851, and industrial refrigeration in the 1870s made manufacturing and storing ice cream much simpler. First ice cream factory was built by Jacob Jacob Fussell, a milk dealer. <laughs> Funny way of saying it, a milk dealer. Yeah, you want to buy some milk? <laughs> you want to get some milk? It's hey, fresh. Man, I got some milk for you who bought dairy products from Philadelphia farmers and sold them in Baltimore. Mass production of ice cream cut the product's cost significantly, making it more popular and more affordable for people of lower classes. Nice. Cool. In the early 1800s, an early form of an ice cream parlor was existent in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, uh, and it sold all kinds of refreshments, such as ice cream syrups, French cordials, cakes... Clarets of the best kind. I don't know what any <laughs> kind of claret is myself, but and they also sold it jellies. According to one source, the first ice cream parlor opened in New York in 1790. Hmm. So, okay. that's interesting. I mean, yeah. like it, we had blips of ice cream on the radar mm-hmm. around the world. But Pennsylvania bought it home. Yeah, they made it affordable. They made it. We, we took something from the aristocracy. We Robin Hooded mm-hmm. that. We yep. took it from the from the rich and gave it to the everybody else who wants ice cream. <laughs> everybody wants ice cream. Who doesn't want ice cream? Everybody wants ice cream. We're going to get ice cream right now. We're going to stop this yeah. podcast. We're going to go get yeah. ice cream. That's as soon as do. you mention ice cream, people want ice cream. We have to go get ice cream. <laughs> yeah, right? Ice cream. Like, We're going to go do it. Yeah. There's no way around it now. Yeah. America, it's the American dream. Every single listener of this podcast it's, is going to go eat some ice cream. Yep. We're going to go get episode. ice cream immediately. <laughs> no no yeah. holds barred. All it's holds just, on ice cream. It's got to happen. Yep. Well, this was a delicious way to end out this, uh, this episode. Yeah, absolutely. Of, of the Wikipedia Chronicles, I think. And it's cool to know that we live in a, such a great state that bought <laughs> such good things to all of America and the world. Yeah. Yeah. So, let's see here. 
There you have it from Fa Wazzle Cup to Ice Cream Parlor. From fitness to fatness (laughs) in one succinct episode. We're in America. We'll always take you there. Indeed. So, yes, if you enjoyed this, please visit facebook.com slash TWC podcast and give us a like and a follow. And then head over to iTunes and rate and review us. And you can also find new episodes on our website, twc.ericterivia.com. And I also uh, have started a Twitter account um, called the Wikicron because the Wiki. that's the <laughs> that's only the name that I could <laughs> But, I mean, it's close. It's close yeah, to what I we mean, are. I tried Wikipedia Chronicles. I tried TWC. I tried many different things. Wow. And the Wikicron was the only thing that they allowed me to do. So okay, the only thing that wasn't taken. The Wikicron. <laughs> so that's that's what you have to have to do at the Wikicron, right. and we actually followed by some female comedian. Um, Neat, good. I've I've followed every single person or company or whatever that we have mentioned on the um, podcast in an article. Smart, I and like that. Yeah. So now we have some comedian female comedian following us so that's good yeah is it sarah cool. silverman no is it amy schumer no i'm out <laughs> <laughs> but yeah i'd like to thank louis armstrong for our theme song and blind lemon jefferson for our outro song so thanks again for joining us i was eric and i was john your local milk dealer and this was the wikipedia chronicles <laughs> the wiki <Cron. laughs> the wiki this was the wiki <laughs> And then like go the into like wiki cron. the wiki cron. We can, we can just start using like there's 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 stock there's available like stock dubstep now yeah, right. Probably. Let's make it let's make it 420 themed like <laughs> just from here on out. It's now the wiki cron. <laughs> we cron the wiki. We cron wicked it up. <laughs> yep, that's how we do. Yep. Sure is. <laughs> Did we do a sign off? Did we actually sign off yet? This is like yeah, the post Christ thing, yeah, right? This is okay. The post. Yeah. This is. This is this is the, the rambling end. thing that happens. Mm-hmm. Okay. I didn't know because there was like we we really just like segue right into it. We were just like splish. <laughs> we were there. Yeah. There was no pause. Yeah. No break. Similar to how there will be no break between the end of what we're doing here and me getting ice cream. And I am yep. not exaggerating. <laughs> I am not kidding. This is not for posterity. This is not to like make everybody angry at me who's listening <laughs> or around me right now. Well, if you are interested, um, I happen to know that at Turkey Hill right now, there is a two for five deal on their um, one and a half pint ice cream things. So a lot of ice cream for only $5. I got room in my freezer. <laughs> I know what to do. Two for five. Mm-hmm. I'm coming for you. Yep. Just a matter of finding a turkey hill on the way home. <laughs> oh, wait. There is one on yeah. the way home. Well, there we go, folks. I know where I'm going. <laughs> to you my know grave. where you're going? Yeah. To an icy, <laughs> icy grave. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, you go and get your ice cream. I'm going to go do that. You go get your ice cream. I will. Everybody eat ice cream. <laughs> Bye. Bye.